Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. Today we'll be talking about bully coaches and what they can do to the psyche of a high school player, no matter how talented that player is. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. You can also check out our NBA-focused podcasts, including Knuck If You Buck, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Oh, don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grinjinski and today we're talking to Cleveland State University guard Jeremy Sanchez. Jeremy just finished his sophomore season with the Vikings who clinched an NCAA tournament berth for the first time in 12 years. Now his career at Cleveland State started as a walk-on but on the night the Vikings clinched a share of the Horizon League title the team started chanting MVP when it was Jeremy's turn to climb the ladder to cut down the net. This, despite only playing in 11 games and averaging just three minutes in each of those games. His story is unique, and I think it's one that every player needs to hear. So let's welcome in Jeremy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, Jeremy, there are so many things that I want to talk to you about in terms of the player's perspective and being part of building a good team culture. And so, Jeremy, the first question I have for you, though, is how do you go from walk-on to the chance of MVP in such a short time? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I guess for me, it was it was really just a mindset. Um, I, I always believe, you know, stay ready so you never have to get ready. And, you know, my freshman year went really well, uh, although it didn't start well. You know, I came in, I was 15, 16 man on the roster. And, um, you know, a lot of people will be degraded by that and, um, you know, kind of feel down and, feel like, uh, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this level isn't for me. But, you know, I never I never felt that way. And I had people, you know, coming in, people telling me, you know, uh, you never you would never end up playing and all this. You'd be sitting on the bench. You know, I kind of just used that as motivation. So as the years went on, you know, I ended up starting my freshman year, which was great. And, um, you know, it's always been a mentality. You know, you got to stay ready so you never have to get ready. And, um, and, that, and that's what happened. I didn't play the previous couple games before that final regular season game. And, um, you know, coach believed in me. I saw him giving me that look. And um, as soon as he told me to get in, I was ready. I knew exactly what I had to do. Um, I knew what I was up against. I knew what what we were facing, you know, a regular season title, which we haven't done in a long time. And it was just, you know, um, it was awesome. Uh, my teammates railed around me. I railed around my teammates. And, um, you know, that's how the MVP chant kind of came about. So let's let's walk back through that and let's start with your freshman year. So you come in, I mean, at Northridgeville High School, you were an outstanding player. 
You 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 had all of the the accolades, you know, a, a lot of uh, awards uh, came your way. You're a four year Letterman, you know, a starter. You're you're the man. But but then you decide you're going to walk on at Division One Cleveland State. I'm sure you had options. I'm sure you had some other other places that you could have gone to play, and you chose to go to Cleveland State, the Division One route. And I'll just say, like you, you decided to go the tough route. What was the process in that decision as you were making it? Why did you elect to go to Cleveland State? Um. So yeah, uh, it was a tougher route, but um, coming out of high school, you know, I talked to D two coaches, I talked to D three coaches, I talked to NAIA coaches. Um, and and ultimately, I just I just felt like at those levels, some of these teams weren't taking basketball as serious as I take it. You know, um, obviously, the basketball is no joke on any of those levels. D three players can hoop, D two players can hoop, NAIA players can really hoop. I mean, they they can all really hoop. But some some of these coaches, you know, weren't taking the basketball aspect as serious as, you know, I sometimes take. You know, I, I like to compete as much as I can, and you know, I'm, I'm a fierce competitor. But I, I felt like it, they weren't – I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but that, that's kind of how I felt. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, I didn't have a ton of scholarships from anybody, you know. Even even the D2, even the NAIA, they weren't offering me scholarships. So, you know, I felt uh, – I felt it was best to, to bet on me, stay close to home, and, you know, represent my hometown and, and you know, be able to have my family come to games, be able to have my uh, former teammates come to games, be able to have my, you know, community be able to come to the games and see what see what um, I've become um, in order. And so I stayed home, and um, I just d- decided to bet on myself. So were there discussions now uh, one of the big things we talk about here on the on the courtside culture podcast is is how the how much the coach the coach has influence I mean he really I mean it, it is really up to the coach to, to you know to really to to set that culture in place did you have discussions with coach Gates going into your decision to go to Cleveland State and if you did what type of effect did it have on you well, here's the thing. Coach Gates wasn't there when I when I committed. Um, I committed, and it was old coaching staff with Coach Dennis Felton and Coach Cabaldi, and um, those are the ones who I I committed with. And then about a month or a couple weeks later is when they that staff got fired. So um, I wasn't even sure if I was gonna be able to stay at Cleveland State at that point. You know, um, I had talks to leaving, going prep, and uh, stuff like that because at that point I was like unsure of my future with the program and then um that was when coach Gates got hired a couple weeks later it was like really late in the summer really late uh to be hiring a coach and really late to be getting players you know there was only when coach Gates came to staff there was only five of us here at most so um he really didn't have an effect on that but uh if you want to talk about the first meeting he had with us and ever since then and yeah he had he had a huge effect on the culture well, see, and and this is my point, Jeremy. The fact that you know the perspective we're getting from you is the player's perspective and the impact you can have on the team culture. Because, like I said, we're always talking about the coach, the coach setting you know setting the stage for the culture of the program. But the players can have just as big an impact and and be and be a big part of what happens. Uh, during a special season or, you know, to be part of a special program. So you go there, Coach Gates isn't there, but then Coach Gates, and, and, and this program was, you know, I mean, uh, other than that, that tournament appearance in 2009, there were a couple of seasons, you know, that were decent. Um, but really back from, you know, back, you know, I, I've been following Cleveland State for forever. When I, I mean, I was in high school when that team with Mouse McFadden and Ranzi and all right. those guys went to, team. oh, it was awesome. We would go down there and, and watch them all the time. But so this team, you know, between between 85 and 86, and then, you know, they had the, the tournament appearance in 2009. But really, you know, in between there, there have been a lot of down years at Cleveland State. So you go, so you go there, don't know who the coach is, but they hire this coach. Talk to me about that first conversation that you said had a big impact on you. Yeah, so actually the the night of his first meeting um when he came there I was I was unable to attend. Um 
I forget for what reason I was I, I think I was at home at the time. I didn't have a car to get down to campus. So there's only three or four guys in the meeting anyways. So he gets there and and, and my teammate Tori calls me. Um and he calls me, he's like, yo, this coach is no joke. You know, he's, he's putting his foot down. And he's saying, you know, all this stuff, we're going to win championships. And, and he's being real strict. And um, it's going to it's gonna be tough. And um, I was actually I was actually like, you know what, we, you know, that's something that's actually something we probably need. And, um, you know, from day one. And then he calls me. Then I get a, I get a phone call the next day. Um, it says from Tallahassee, Florida. I'm like, what the heck? That's just, you know, where his area code is or whatnot. And, um. Say what's up, man? It's Coach Gates. Um, you know, I'm excited to be here and all this. And, you know, we're we're setting a new culture here at Cleveland State, and um, all this stuff. And uh, I'm like, wow, like this this guy's really about it, and this guy's really going to change this place. And um, you know, we talked, and then we had our own meeting, and then just then we had a team meeting after we recruited everybody, and then from that point on, he just you know. From from day one, he, he preached the three C's. You know, it's winning the winning in the classroom, winning on the court, and uh, winning in the community, winning championships in the community, championships on the court, and championships in the classroom. And you know, our big thing we go by is, is he said it from day one. It's flat duet, which is uh, friendship, love, accountability, trust, discipline, unselfishness, enthusiasm, and you know, the main one, toughness. And uh, you know, those are our core values. We we lived by every single day since he stepped foot on campus, since our coaching uh, staff step foot on campus and said since we stepped foot on campus and, and you know it's a good point you and good point you brought up I mean you know the coaches you know they're the ones who set the culture and you know let us know what the culture needs to be but but the players are the ones who you know we, we protect it every single day um, you know every single day no matter what we every day we get on the court every day we step into the classroom every day we step into the community you, you, in order to have a great culture you have to protect it every day you have to fight for it every day you know that that's something that we we learned quickly, and and I feel like that's why we've been so successful. So Coach Gates kind of sets the ground rules, but it sounds to me like well before I mean you didn't even know Coach Gates was going to be there. You you have this instilled in you already that fight, right? You're you're you know you're you're ready for the challenge. You want the challenge. You accept the challenge, and so I you know I just think that. If if a if all you know as a player, if you if you have that mindset going into whatever situation you're going into, then you're setting yourself up to succeed. Looking back on that, do you think that has helped you in your oh, first couple of years at Cleveland State? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, coming in, you know, it was a down year the previous year. We had we had, they had a great a bunch of great players, but it was a down year. So. Um, you know, we weren't expected to do much. Actually, we were we were projected to be last place in the conference. You know, and I told myself, you know, that that, that that's definitely not going to happen. But I do remember one point. I was um I was in there shooting for one of the first times in the Wolstein Center in the arena, and I think I sent my a couple of my buddies and my girlfriend, you know, a picture on Snapchat of the arena and said, you know, I'm gonna sell this place out one day. You know, and and that's just kind of like the. The mindset I've always had is just, you know, they're counting us out now, but what are they going to say at the end of the season? You know what I mean? And, that, and that's what they've done. You know, even this season, they projected us seventh, eighth in the conference, you know, and and, that, and that's something that you hang up on your locker, you hang up in your, in your in the locker room or in your bedroom that you wake up and you look at and you want to go prove them wrong every every second of the day. So, I mean, it it's just, you know, have Come coming to this program with it being down is just even more motivation to to turn it around and, and especially with it being my home hometown team. So, um, you know, I love what we're doing. I love what we've been able to accomplish, and and I and I truly feel like we have way more to give. So, you know, it's it's been awesome. So, from a motivational standpoint. You know, we know you have the talent. You're a very talented basketball player. We know that. You're motivated. You're going to. You're. You know. You're. You're going to compete when you get on the floor, no matter who you're up against. Right. But let's talk about some of the intangible things that go that, that have gone into the culture. And for you as a player, what are some of those things that really maybe aren't basketball related? Like you talk about the three C's and things like that. Like, are, are you, what are some of the things? Are you guys doing things together as a team? Are you guys doing stuff together with, with coach? Are you doing things off the court? 
you know, what kinds of things do the players partake in, you know, that help to build that team culture that really aren't basketball related? Right. And uh, that that's also a huge part of culture is just, you know, the team chemistry, the chemistry with the coaches. And, and, and I feel like our coaching staff does a great, great job with that. We, we, we do all kinds of activities. Um, I can name a few. I mean, we were in quarantine for a little bit. And, um, you know, this year was harder than most to, for the team chemistry part, you know, going going through the pandemic and all. But even my freshman year, you know, we, we went bowling together. Um, we went to the park together. We did all kinds of things together, you know, to, to build those bonds. And even when it wasn't formed by the coaches, you know, we the guys just loved to hang out together. We would always be in each other's dorms, hanging out, kicking it, and um, just spending time together. And, and that that's a huge, huge part of team camp or uh, team culture is, is, is you got you have to have guys who who like to be around each other and um you know of course of course of course you know um we're always around each other and uh you know team chemistry is huge huge in uh building culture is that something that coach gates encouraged you guys to do and maybe even got involved sometimes too yeah yeah of course they, i mean the, the coach is the one who, who put together most of the team bonding stuff. And actually before last season, we had um, a team doctor, a team psychiatrist or whatever you want to call sports. His name was uh, Dr. Carr. And um, he's, he's just a really, really highly respected, uh, uh, you know, sports psychiatrist. And he came in and we had a week weekend long retreat type thing where we were in a room for 12 hours together, just getting to know each other and telling stories and crying together, laughing together. And, um, and I think that was, that was the biggest part of the season. And, and actually Dr. Carr revisited us, um, after like, after certain games or after we've had a losing streak and, and just, you know, team chemistry and just us being bonded together is one of the main parts of of why we're successful. And, um, and there's no doubt in my mind about that. So your freshman year, you're, you're going through, and I was lucky enough to, to, to see you play. One of those games. Yeah, court, court side. Yeah, hey, I won those tickets, man. I won the caption contest. That was awesome. <laughs> but, um, that was awesome. But no, it, you know, and, and I love I love going, you know, and, and watching watching games, especially, you know, when, when you get to sit that close. But but so take me through a little bit your freshman year. Because see, that, my, my point, Jeremy, and this is why you're perfect for this, you know, and if you're a player, I, I mean, any, I mean, from from seventh grade all the way through college i mean if you don't buy into the culture then you're just never going to fit because i i I could see you know a 17 18 19 year old and i'll call them kids because i'll say you know a 17 18 19 year old kid you know hey we're gonna go on a retreat and the psychiatrist is gonna probably make us cry and we're all gonna laugh and somebody going yeah i'm not i'm too cool for that man i'm not doing that I could totally see that happening. But if you don't have that buy-in like you, like you're you're bought in, your teammates are bought in and you're forming that brotherhood. I mean, did that thought ever cross your mind or 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 is it something that, you know, just as a player, you're you just understand like, look, if we're going to get to where we want to go, this is all part of the process. Right. And um yeah, that's a, that's a great question actually and and the thing is that that meeting with our with that team psychiatrist Dr. Carr was so early in the season that I don't, I don't think we, we haven't played any games yet. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we we didn't know each other to that extent. We didn't know what the other, what the guy to our right of us, what the guy to our left of us was going to think or whether, you know, they were going to be too cool for it or not. And that's why the meeting was so important. You know, um, we haven't had that much time to spend together. So we get into that meeting and we're all like, oh, here we go. Coach told us it's going to be long. We're going to be trapped in this room for, you know, 12 hours the whole day. And, um, you know, and they told us we're going to cry. And they told us all this. And we're like, we don't know what to expect. But then, you know, guys start pouring out their emotions. And then you're like, wait, you know, I, you know, I could trust this guy. You know, he's, he, he trusts me by, by being able to tell me these things. And, you know, that the trust aspect is huge, you know, no matter what you're doing. And, um. And we're all just like sitting there in this room in this big circle, looking at each other and like realizing, you know, these are my brothers, you know, like this week, this year, we're going to go to war with each other. You know, you know, we're all the guys that are, they picked all of us to see last this year. They picked all of us to place last, you know, they don't, they don't expect anything from any of us. 
And I feel like things like that just drove us to play the way we do. You know, if you watch us play, you know, we're, we're not always the most talented team, but we're going to outwork any team that's in front of us ever. Um, that's our, that's kind of our mindset. And that's how, you know, that's who we are. That's our identity is just, you know, we're going to outwork people. We're going to out tough people. And I think that stems from just us being that close that like, you know, I don't want to let my brother to the right of me down. I don't want to let my brother to the left of me down. And, and I feel like, you know, that was that meeting that we had in the beginning of the year was a big cause of that. And, you know, we've had, and then this summer we had even more Dr. Carr meetings, um, you know, where we do similar things only it was just over zoom, but you know, we're doing the exact same things, you know, telling how expressing our emotions and, you know, you just get closer to guys when you do stuff like that. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeremy, one of the consistent things that that keeps coming up on this podcast is that it is typically some type of off the court event that just really cements a team together, whether it's going to get smoothies before the game, whether it's team dinners, uh, you know, at at each of the players houses or, or whatever it is. It always seems to be these off-the-court events that pull everybody together. And in, in these events, I mean, did you feel, too, like are the coaches involved as well? And are they letting go, too, and, and letting you guys kind of in behind the curtain of them as well? Yeah, and, and that's the crazy part about it is in that, doctor, that first Dr. Carmen, you know, we've seen our coaches cry. You know, I, I think almost every single one of our coaches who spoke cried when, like, we got to tell uh, our stories about how we grew up and, you know, what happened and, you know, trauma, traumatic events. And, you know, we, we saw our coaches cry. And, and and that's absolutely a huge part of is team culture is, is the coaches, coaches culture and how they and how your chemistry is with the with the players, the players and coaches chemistry. It's huge. It's huge. And, you know, and other things we did was um, – you know, coaches coaches would have us over for certain things. I remember uh, my one coach, our coach Sharbaugh, um, he's a huge Steelers fan. So uh, he had us over. He had us and a couple of Browns fans over for uh, for uh, the Browns Steelers game when they killed us. And it's just it's just little things like that that you know make teams closer and make you be able to trust the man in front of you or the man beside you. So I mean, he's a coach, the coach being able to trust the coaches and the culture coaches being able to trust the players is a huge part of team culture. Well, I'll tell you what, that's another consistent word we're, we're hearing across the board on this podcast is trust. And and I think what happens is, you know, I think everybody, when you have those moments and those off the, those off the court moments and, and you cement that, that team together, when, when Jeremy looks at, you know, somebody who's a starter, the starter looks back and doesn't see somebody who is not a starter. Somebody, oh, there's my teammate. Everybody, I think, just becomes, it's, it's, it's on that, it's on the same level. No matter what your role is, everybody understands it and everybody in each other's eyes is on the same level. Am, am I right in saying that? Yeah, of course. I mean, no, there's not been a single time, you know, even last year or this year where, you know, guys are starting and guys aren't started where, you know, guys are feeling envious. You know, that just doesn't happen in our program. And and, and, I, and that's a great thing about it. You know, like you said, a starter won't look at a bench player like like he's nothing. You know, um, everybody everybody in this program is, you know, two feet in and, and uh, ten toes down, as Coach Gates always likes to say. And, and uh, yeah, nobody's envious. Um, everybody looks at each other the same way as if we're brothers and – and um and that's how it has to be if you want to win cha- win championships. And coach always talks about cutting down nets, hanging up banners, and holding up trophies. And and that and that's a huge part of it. You know, everybody has the same. Everybody's role is just as important as the other man's. So, so if 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 you if you if you want to win a championship, you have to win by committee. And and the only way to do that is if is as if uh everybody's bought in. So. Your freshman year, you get some starts. You, you 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 got some you got some good minutes. You started against South Carolina. You know, you play you know play some good minutes. Detroit Mercy had a great game. You know you know so you're you're kind of back and forth. You know starting starting and you know and then coming off the bench, you're buying into this culture. So. How did you feel like at the end? I mean, I, I mean, you you had already beaten the odds. So many people had told you like you're gonna go to Cleveland State. You're never gonna play. How did that make you feel, first of all, 
coming off that freshman year, or what were you thinking as the season was going along? Like, like that first time, like you you got in, or that first time you started, like, like, do you credit the just the culture and everything that was going on behind you to to keep just pushing you forward and helping you to succeed that freshman year? Right. Um. So, you know, the first couple of games I actually didn't play much at all. So, you know, it was kind of a letdown, but um. I just kept working, kept my head down. And one thing that the coaches, this coaches staff especially loves is just, you know, hustle and people who play hard and people who are tough, you know, players who are tough and toughness and toughness and toughness. That's like one of the main, main goals of our team. And um, I just kept, I just stayed persistent. And uh, I remember the game before South Carolina was uh, Missouri State. And I'd I'd come in um, to replace a player who didn't dive on the floor or something. Coach was mad about it. So he threw me in. Um, I think I played like one minute the game before and, uh, I came in, got an offensive rebound right away. And I was just, you know, playing, you know, 94 feet of defense and just trying to get everything I had because, you know, every time you get an opportunity, you have to take advantage of that opportunity, especially in moments like that. So, you know, I did. And then I remember we flew to South Carolina. We, we went back home at the Missouri state. We flew to South Carolina on a private jet. We get to South Carolina the next day. We're warming up, and you know I wouldn't warm up as much as the other guys would, just because I wasn't playing as much. But I remember Coach Charbaugh came up to me. He's like, you know, you know, start warming up, and I'm like, all right. And you know, before every game, the the way we we announce our starters is, you know, we'll go in five minutes or no, we'll go in ten minutes before uh, they announce starting lineups, and um, you know, on the court. But we'll go in our locker room, and that's when we'll figure out who's starting and. I remember the last guy they 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 announced the point guard last, and they're like, uh, they they're like Jeremy Sanchez, you'll be guarding him, and then everyone just kind of like went crazy, and um, it was it was a great feeling, you know, I, I felt relieved, but you know at the same time a little nervous, you know, because I didn't know what to expect, and there was about like twelve thousand fans there that night, and um, but you know at the end of the day you just you you play basketball your whole life, so uh, you just you just do what what you know. And I went out there and just played as hard as I possibly could. And, you know, I think I started the next uh, seven games maybe after that. And then um, and that, I, I felt really, really, really good. You know, our record wasn't the greatest at the end of the day. We were, we were way higher than a lot of people expected us to be. Um, our record uh, wasn't the greatest. But, um, you know, I definitely felt good, you know, but I felt like, I had, I still had a lot more to give, you know, I'm never, I'm never, ever, ever, um, just, you know, okay with what I'm doing. I'd rather, you know, go f- further and beyond and, and, uh, ex- ex- excel as much as I possibly can, you know, to the point where, you know, it's physically possible not to go any further, but, um, you know, I was really proud of it and, and the culture played a huge part, you know, I was bought in. Um, I never complained at the beginning of the year when, you know, coach wasn't playing me. Um, and, and they really, really, like I said earlier, they just value the toughness in our culture. You know, I felt like that they saw that's what I brought to the table and um, they gave me uh, a chance to play. So when they announced that, though, you said everybody went crazy. So all your teammates were were cheer- were did was it was it just a, a big ovation in the locker room when they said that you were starting that night? Well, no, see this. So we'll go, we'll go. Um, so this is how we do it. We we'll, we'll announce our starting lineup. So we'll be like, uh, we'll say the player and then they'll be like Trey Gomillion and everyone will be like, you got him. And then the rest of the team will be like, you got him. So then they're like, you know, they, they announced their point guard and they're like, Jeremy, you got him. And then everyone's like, you got him. And everyone's like, yeah. And stuff <laughs> like that. But, um, it was kind of like, but some people were thrown off and, you know, especially me, I was thrown off. And like, but they were like cheering at the same time, but everyone like was just kind of then it kind of went silent, and then it was just like a moment of realization. And then, um, but yeah, no guys were exactly that's what I'm saying. You know, people aren't envious. People are never envious. And then, um, everyone just bought in, so it was awesome. So you you finished your freshman year, right? And now it, it was it went it that your your first year with Coach Gates. You know that that team actually. It, it performed. It performed pretty well out of the gate with Coach Gates, and mm-hmm. so year two now he's got his. He's you know he's a little established. He has a chance to recruit a little bit now, and now you got some players coming in. And let's talk about this season when your role changed. And I'll say, I mean, it changed significantly. When did, did you, I mean did you when did you get a sense that your role 
going into your sophomore season where in any I mean in a lot of other situations a freshman year like that would look very promising and look would look like something that hey I'm going to be able to build on this and I'll be you know I'll be starting next year or you know whatever you know a, a player might be thinking when did when did you get the sense that okay my role is is actually going to change this year but maybe not quite the way I had hoped right and you know um you work the whole summer and uh, expect you know a big big season after the freshman season I'd had but um and I didn't you know I worked hard and um uh I expected to play a lot but you know I had some uh early early uh injury trouble you know I pulled a couple muscles and then you know I had to miss the first two games and then you know after that you know I played a little bit of Ohio State and then it was just after that it was super hard to get into the rotation because we had so many guys who could just go we had we had a lot of great players this year um you know, the team was stacked. I mean, we had the best team in the Horizon League. We had the best, one of the best mid-majors teams in the country, in my opinion. And, um, and then you, you, you can't complain in a situation like that. You know, when you're on a winning team, you know, we're all bought in and we just, we just love, we just love to, to, to be together. We love to play together. We love to practice together. And, um, and then that's just what I keep, you know, reiterating and just being bought in and we're all two feet in, 10 toes down. And, and, uh, I had to accept my new role and, you know, that, and that was from cheering from the bench, you know, making sure my teammates are ready to go in and, you know, just keeping everybody focused. And that's what I'm going to do and bring energy. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, if, if it helps the team, that's what, exactly what I'm going to do. And, you know, and uh, coach always preached, you know, win by committee, like I said earlier. And uh, and ultimately, you know, we were holding up trophies and hanging up banners and cutting down nets. So it, it worked out. And, um, you know, I'm not envious of anybody. Uh, I'm proud of every uh, all my guys, and uh, it was just a great season all around. Now, the thing, though, is Coach Gates gave you a title for this season. Yes. And and what is that title? The, it was the bench captain. So tell me how that conversation goes. When does Coach Gates, does he approach you and, and, and say, listen, this is what I need from you? How does that conversation go down when you are named the bench captain? Well, yeah, here's the thing. Um, my freshman year, I was named the bench captain. So when the season started, I was the bench captain. I had a board in my hand, and I was writing down the number of stops we got and stuff like that and keeping the bench energized. That's what I was doing the first three or four games until I started starting. That's exactly what I did. So uh, it's not new to me. Um, it just I, I, I inherited the role back. Uh, this season, you know, with having so many guys and having so many, so many great players on the team. And, um, you know, that's kind of how it went. I, I was named it last year because uh, I brought great energy. But, you know, ultimately I couldn't be it when I was on the court as much as I was. So like, I kind of inherited back uh, this season. I know you want to be on the floor. Everybody, you know, every player wants to play. But does it help to have a title? along with your role when you're you're in this situation you've already beaten the odds Jeremy I mean come on so many kids you know so many people told told you oh you're not gonna play you're gonna say you've already beaten the odds so does it does it help to to have that to, to, to know your role is to have such a, I guess a such a distinct role with a title attached to it does it help you know is it more is it does it help motivate you does it help? You know, does it help motivate you to do your job on the bench? Does it help to motivate you, you know, to keep pushing forward and to get get more time on the floor? Talk to me about that. Just having that title, does it motivate you in any way? Um, yeah, it definitely helps a little bit. Um, but you know, that a title won't won't really define a guy because uh, I don't know if you've seen. I'm sure you have seen uh, Ben Sternberg this year. Um, the other guy who was on the bench who kind of mm-hmm. inherited the term bench captain as well because the guy just crazy on the sideline, bringing energy, hyping the guys up. And, um, you know, so – and he was never named a bench captain. You know, it's just – you know, it's just kind of the, the culture that we have. You know, every guy, no matter how many minutes they played or how many minutes they did not play, was on the sideline cheering for each other. And, and that, that's just why we're so successful, and I truly believe that. And, um, yeah, the, yeah, the term bench captain definitely helped, but the entire – bench with the bench captains you know what I mean we're all together we're pretty much the bench mob so uh it was just an all-around effort um and everybody kind of just encouraged each other that way but this is what 
guys who who think they should be starting and are not. This is what they need to hear because let's talk about now. So you go through the season, you're, like I said in the, in the beginning of the podcast, you're averaging about three minutes. You played in 11 games. Let's talk about that night when the team the team was trying to win a championship and and things things just weren't quite going the way that the Vikings were hoping. And then all of a sudden, Coach Gates gets an idea. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to the guy I can count on the most in the situation when we're trying to win a championship and it doesn't look like we're going to win a championship. I'm going to turn to Jeremy Sanchez. Let's talk about that night. Take me through it and what happened and, and, and we'll talk about how it ended up. Yeah, so um, the night before we were playing back-to-back, um, we knew we were playing for the championship that night as well because uh, we were tied up with Wright State um in the standings so uh we actually lost to they're one of the last last seeded teams in our conference that we lost to them the night before and so so here we come uh the next day um the next day we play them again and we you know and, and we're lucky that Wright state lost as well so here we go you know it's it's a win it's a winner it's a winner go home type situation not necessarily go home but you know you know winner takes all so um the game starts. Uh, we're 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 really we're really sluggish. Um, through the most part, like we were the night before, kind of just dragged over, unfortunately. Um, but coach ended up putting me in at the end of the half, just you know, because uh, we had fouls to give. You put in me and Michi, so uh, so we could foul. But they ended up scoring on us that drive. So the half ends. Um, we go in the locker room, you know, some guys heads are down, but you know, a lot of guys are being encouraging and stuff like that. You know, I'm thinking I'm not going to go back in because, you know, I haven't much this entire season. So, um, I'm just thinking about how, you know, you know, this is it, you know, we have to win this game. This is, you know, we didn't, we didn't work this hard all season and talk, you know, like we're going to win a championship all season and all off season, like, and then come here and lose to one of the last seeded teams. Um, so then, uh, second half starts, um, I'm telling guys in layup line, you know, like, you know, layup line, treat layup line, like it's the game, you know, go, go as hard as you possibly can. So, you know, we're ready to play when it, when it, when it comes down to it. And, um, so we start, game starts playing, um, about 18 minutes left. I think it was, uh, in the half. So only two minutes went by and coach Gates kind of just looked over at me and, um, just gave me this look and like shook his head and I kind of shook my head back. You know, I just went over to the to the middle, checked myself in, or not, well, he checked me in, and um, and that was it. As soon as I came in the game, uh, I picked up Jared Godfrey, which was one of the better point guards in our conference, up full court, and because um, I knew, I, I kind of, I, I could kind of tell, you know, from watching the game, you know, get a lot of insight, and I could tell that's what kind of needed, you know, change the pace of the game, speed up their guards, um, see if they turn it over. And uh, kind of wear them out because they didn't have that many replacements at the point guard position. So that's what I did. I sped up Godfrey. First first possession I was in, uh, another player turned it over because we had sped them up. We turned up the energy a little bit. And coaches subbed me right back out, you know, like as an offensive-defensive type of situation. And, um, you know, I, and then I just – once they turned that over, I just saw uh, – I looked over at the bench and I saw everybody's attitude kind of change a little bit. You know, everybody's eyes kind of lighten up, lighten up a little bit. And then I'm like, you know, I, I know exactly what I have to do for the rest of the game. And, you know, that's what I did. I just kind of brought energy. I, I did a full court, 94 feet. And um, and everybody just fed off of it. And it was a great feeling winning that game. And so backs against the wall. Goal is in reach. Championship on the line. Coach turns to you and you deliver because you stayed ready. And you and it's again, it goes back to that culture, wouldn't you say? Oh, of course, yeah. It's it's all about the culture, you know. I, you know, always everybody's bought in, and you know, I, I I've said again, you know, I stay ready, so I never have to get ready, and and it's definitely, definitely the culture. So you fly back, or you get back to you get back to Cleveland. Uh, I think you you took the bus home right after that game. Yeah, you we were actually, close enough, we right? Yeah, took the bus home. Yeah, right. And you get back to the Wolstein Center at like eleven o'clock at night, and then you're gonna cut down the nets there. And you get on the ladder and tell me what happens. I was well. First off, I I think we got to talk about the bus ride home because the bus ride home was probably the most fun part about the entire experience because you know we were all going crazy. Everyone was dancing. We had coaches coming back there on the bus dancing. Our athletic trainer dancing. It was just, 
it, it, it was one of it was a bus ride that I'll never ever forget. And you, know, you know, the guys are they ended up playing like some Miley Cyrus and just it it was just it was awesome. So I mean, you know, we got to talk about that bus ride, but uh, yeah. But but again, it, this is this is you know you 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 reach the top of the mountain, right? You 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 right. achieve you achieve this goal, and so now it's time to let loose a little bit. But but you when you get back to the Wolstein Center and they set up the ladder and you're cutting down the nets, your turn to get on the ladder. Talk me through it. Yeah, so I I um you know I'm walking up the ladder and uh, they're actually just chanting my nickname at first. They're like Sandy, Sandy, which they call me at at Cleveland State. And then um, by halfway through, I'm getting done cutting the net. Everyone then they start yelling, you know, MVP, MVP, MVP. You know that and that and that's a feeling I'll probably never forget. Um, you know, helping my team win a win a regular season title, something that we haven't done in a long time. And you know, especially being at Cleveland State, you know, my hometown team, and you know, coming here. So, uh, so um, kind of you know, uh, counted out, and then you know, going to that, it it was a great feeling, and um, and I was just thankful for my teammates, uh, for them celebrating me, and uh. And uh, and I really do appreciate them, and it, it was awesome. I you know I tell you, and again, and you know, it just just goes to everything that you know, Coach Gates has has built, but it also speaks to the players and 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 the guys, not only just buying in, but just that respect that everybody has for each other. And when I when I heard that, when I heard that that happened, I just I just thought. You know, that is by far, that's got to be the the greatest. For a coach to win a championship is great, but he probably had to step back and look at that and say, this is really what it's all about. All you guys just really just coming together and just loving each other and just supporting each other and, and, and seeing the contributions that everybody makes from one through 16 or, you know, however many guys, you know, you carry on the roster, but to see that everybody has a role, has a part and, and really no role is any less important than the other. Is that how you feel? Yeah. And and that's, and that's exactly what they preach. And he talks about that all the time. You know, nobody's role is more important and nobody's role is less important. And it's just it's just awesome that, you know, we have a group of guys who just love each other the way we do, you know, support each other the way that we do. And, you know, um, and that was established from day one. And even even though it was more difficult this season, you know, than any other to, you know, build that chemistry or build that bond with your teammates, you know, through the pandemic, uh, we still had Zoom meetings every day in the summer and, you know, Zoom Zoom meetings during the season and meetings during the season and gatherings during the season and, and it's just, you know, we, we, something we work on religiously, you know, like people work on free throws, you know, we work on our, our team chemistry and our team bonding so that, you know, when we're on the court, you know, we're not, or we're off the court, you know, we're not trying to let our teammates down or, you know, we have our teammates back no matter what. So what do you, you know, after going through this now, and you still have two more years to go, which is great, but after going through this now, so have you, do you talk to, you know, man, when you, I don't know, when you're up at the playground, up, you know, uh, playing with with guys who are still in high school or you know or younger kids or you know or maybe your younger brother and and, and his buddies or or things like that are, are you are you able to now shed some light on you know with them about just how important having the right attitude is whether you're the best player on the team or the last player on the bench just keeping that same mentality are you talking to younger kids now Yes, yes. And that's one of my favorite things about this entire, you know, journey so far is especially, you know, in, in the city of North Ridgeville, I, I love, you know, this, this is where I come from. It's where I grew up, born and raised. And, you know, I love to give back as much as I can. And, um, you know, when I'm at the park, you know, I, I love to talk to the younger kids and um, and even on social media, you know, I like to, you know, let kids know, you know, continue to be leaders on and off the court, you know, no matter what. And, um some like and then gave a little bit little piece of advice that you know I wish I would have heard as if I was still in high school, and um trying trying to keep these kids on the right track and uh you know just shed shed a little bit of light of what I've learned already so far from being a college student and yeah and and I wish you know this year I was supposed to come back and you know talk to the high school team but um due to COVID I I really wasn't able to, 
So, you know, that's something I missed out on. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to do that again this year, talk to the basketball team, the football team, you know, whoever uh, the coach is set up with. And, um, you know, that, that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite parts about what I've done is being able to give back, you know, see the smiles on these kids' faces and, you know, just give them some words of wisdom. And it just it just makes me feel a lot better about myself. That's awesome to hear. Now, let's talk about the, the NCAA tournament, because I, I got to know like this, because you, you're part of history because this, there, there won't be a tournament like this. I, I don't Well, let's hope now. Let's hope there's never a tournament <laughs> yeah, like this. Hope. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> but, but like, like, like t- talk me through it. Like, like, was it, was it everything you expected or was it beyond your expected expectations? Is it like the best of the best? Like what, what are, you know, what's, what, what are some of the things you can talk about? Let us know for somebody who's, who's never, you know, experience, never will experience something like that as a player. What, what are your big takeaways? Uh, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It was, it was, it was, especially during like, uh, the pandemic and all this stuff, it, it was unbelievable. Um, all of us, almost every team was in the same hotel. And if not, they're in a hotel that was connected by, you know, tunnels or whatnot. Um, like, cause Indianapolis, everything's connected almost, but, um, you know, we're all in the hotel. And, and I think I, I didn't really realize or grasp just the situation of like what was going on until, you know, I got off the elevator. Um, I think I was going to, we were going to eat lunch or something. And I was like, uh, I was just walking by myself and, you know, I walk, you know, I get off the elevator and then I, right there, I see Luca Garza just walk by me. And then, you know, to my left, everyone's saying, what's up to Tom Izzo. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's surreal. And, um, you know, it's guys you see growing up, you know, coaches you see growing up, uh, all the time and it's just it, it was a really surreal experience and um being in the hotel is probably one of the coolest parts we're in a super nice hotel um got a got a bunch of gear from the tournament you know that i'll keep forever and um and then you know the game comes and you're like or or say, let's say we you know we get to practice we know we're practicing at assembly hall where indiana plays and um you know you're just practicing you look down and you see that big you know march madness sign right there and it's just it's kind of surreal and then you see you know the road to the final four and it's just it's just something you see growing up all the time. And you, you, you kind of just, you know, have to take a second and just think about, you know, wow, think about what we've really accomplished. And it it was just, it was super, super surreal. And, uh, you know, then the game day comes and it's just, it's just the same, you know, it's kind of what you, it's kind of what you see on TV, you know, and unfortunately there wasn't many fans that, that would have been allowed. I mean, that would have been awesome, but, uh, it's just, you know, you're playing in March Madness and, you know, nothing will ever top that. And, um, you know, actually, I mean, you know, we were there, but, you know, we're going to, we'll be back. So it, it was, it was awesome. So when you're in their hotel and you're, you're rubbing shoulders with Luca Garza and coaches and that, do you get a chance to, to, or did you take the opportunity to maybe talk to, to some of those guys, some of those big 10 players or, or, you know, even some of the coaches, did, did you get a chance to, to maybe pick their brains a little bit or did you want to? And just didn't have the chance. Um, you know, you you'd always want to, you know, pick the brains of coaches like Tom Izzo and you know all you know the Ohio State coaches, you know everybody who's there. But uh, you know, the, with the pandemic, not many people were from other teams, or especially with us being tested every day, not many people were just talking to each other as much as we want to. And you know, like we all know guys on other teams who were there and stuff like that. But you know, we um, you know, you kind of tend to just you know be more careful about it, especially right now. You know, of course, I would have loved to one up to Tom Izzo and, you know, talk to him and ask him about a million things. But, uh, you know, I kind of knew better than do that right now. And especially when we had places to be in such a strict schedule. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't really able to, you know, talk to the coaches or people like that as much as I wanted to. So let's talk about the game, though, now, because here's the here's the kid who, you know, Averaged three minutes a game. Played played in eleven games the whole season. I mean, this is the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, there's no chance that that he's going to get in. But guess who got in? Let's talk about it, man. You went in. I was watching. We saw you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was with like twelve or thirteen minutes left, maybe. Um, I went in for the first time, and uh, you know, I check in after after a timeout, and I could just you know hear my. I actually heard my sister screaming up in the crowd because she got a ticket and I or, uh, I got her a ticket and I actually heard my girlfriend screaming up in the crowd because I got her a ticket and it was just you know it just it just made me feel good and I knew there was all kinds of people walking watching back home and you know and this made me feel good you know you know that kid from North Ridgeville Ohio was getting in and uh, you know I, I I'm just glad my community was watching you know I didn't make the impact that I wanted to you know that now that I look back you know I watched the film 
Um, you know, but Coach Gates, you know, he wanted, you know, put me in. He wanted to see if I could spark the team again. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Houston was a great, great team. And, you know, I, I came up short in regards to that. But it, it, it was a blessing to play, and, you know, represent my hometown and, uh, you know, my family like that. What What would you say is the biggest difference between – you know, the Horizon League teams that you bet on. You played Ohio State, you know, in in the regular season, you know, and then and then playing, you know, Houston, playing some of these, you know, these these top Division One schools. I, I mean, is the talent level that much different or, you know, are there just some other things that that come into play? You know, there, there's a there's a lot of things that actually come into play uh, when you think about it. You know, it's not always, you know, mid-major players. I mean, there's so many mid-major players that are super talented that end up, you know, they're going to have great NBA or pro careers. So, I mean, you know, the talent, you know, there, there's there's better talent all, uh, you know, across the roster in uh, regards, you know, from high major, you know, to the top high major teams to mid-major schools. But, you know, one thing I noticed uh, by Houston was, you know, they were they were tall. They were all super tall. You know, their point guard was 6'5". You know, their, their backup point guard who actually played against us was, like, a little bit shorter, like 6'1". But, you know, their starting point guard was 6'5". The rest of their players are taller than that, you know. So, I mean, and the length, the length and, you know, um, the aggression they play with. And they, it, there's just a, there's a lot of different things, you know, that, that would go into different teams and the way they play. But, um, you know, like I said, you know, mid-major is no joke. You know, p- players can hoop on every level. And that, and that even goes from D1 to D2 to D3 to NAI. You know, players can play. So, um, you know, you, you could tell the difference for sure. You know, there's definitely difference from Houston to, you know, for say another team, you know, IPFW maybe, but it was, it, it, it was, it was awesome to play. You know, I, I always when when I coached, you know, when I coached my kids, you know, I would say we celebrate the wins and you learn from the losses. And, and what I love hearing from you this, you know, this whole time is just how, you know, you, you never, you never, you never give up. And and you always stay focused and and no you know and some people might look at it and say okay my role is small but you know on your team no role is small but to me like like the fact that you that you stayed motivated and you bought in and you become the bench captain and even though you only you know get in eleven games or whatever what what a crowning achievement for you at the end of your sophomore season. For you to look back, and I, I'm sure you remember who told you you weren't going to play, you go to Cleveland. I'm sure you remember who said that to you. But for you to look back, and 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 now you can say, you know what? In less than two years, I went from you telling me I'm never going to play to I played in an NCAA tournament game on national television. And my point is, the, there's always... There's always something good to come out of something. If you think it's a negative situation, right? Okay, you're not getting the playing time this year, but you're on a team that that is is winning games and winning a league title and going to the NCAA tournament, and you are getting experiences that very few people get to have. And to me, that is such a win. You know, when you when you get to look back on it. And 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 say I got to play in an NCAA tournament game. To me, it, it's just worth it all. Is that where you're feeling? You know, is that what you're feeling right now? And is that what you would tell guys? Like, look, you know, if you're not getting the minutes that that you want, either do something about it, or if you think you are doing something about it, look, your team's winning. You're going to win championships. You're going to be cutting down nets. Isn't it worth it? Is that a message you would send to, to players who maybe aren't happy with, with their current situations? Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, and I like what you're saying about losing. And, you know, I, I heard a quote and I, I've always, you know, kind of lived by as well. It's like, you know, I never lose. I either win or I learn. So um, it's huge. It's huge. You know, you to be a part of a winning program, you know, you have to make sacrifices. Everybody on the team has to make sacrifices. You know, no, that, nobody's going to go out there and score 30 points a game on every single night. Um, you know, unless you're in the NBA or something like that. Um, but, you know, it, it, in order to be a part of something bigger than yourself, uh, you have to make sacrifices. And uh, it, it's all at the end of the day, at the end of the journey, it's all worth it. And, you know, the best part of it is the journey itself. So um, 
it's all worth it. The highs, the lows, um, you know, being at the bottom and being at the top, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, if you're cutting down nets, hanging up trophies and, you know, celebrating with your brothers, uh, you know, it, it's all worth it. You know, and but the, but the best part of it is, is you get to say, I was a part of that, you know? You're you're yeah. part you're part of something that's so special in the end. And and I don't know if if kids realize it because especially nowadays everything is so you know, we're in a microwave society, right? We're in a Twitter world, right? Everything's got to be fast and we got to have everything now, you know? And yeah. and and I don't think kids can really grasp the fact that look, I'm a part of something that's really, really special right now. And, and it might not be for 10, 15, 20 years when they finally sit down and are a little older and a little more mature, when they sit down and they look back at it and they go, man, nobody can take that away from me. I mean, I got to, you know, you've got the Luca Garza story forever, right? Nobody's got that story, but you, Jeremy, you know what I mean? And I don't think, I don't think kids realize that because of the, the, the time we're living in now where everything is just so immediate and I've got to have it now, you know? And then I think the other part of it is, I don't know if kids can really communicate what it is they really want to the coaches or establish that relationship with the coach in order to work on that. Where like, you know, maybe you're not getting the minutes that you want and, and to be able to go up to the coach and talk to the coach and say, coach, what is it that I need to do? How, you know, and have the coach to open. And this is where it comes back to the culture, Jeremy, have the coach have that conversation and, and, and deliver on what it is he tells the player or she tells her player that they need to do and to deliver on that. And to me, it sounds like Coach Coach Gates did did all this. I mean, and that's why it all comes together and you end up with such a great experience. You know, and, and it's, you are no doubt in my mind perfect for this podcast and you 100% delivered. And I just, you know, to me, like if, if, if we can get that across to, to, to kids nowadays, now I sound like the guy who says, get off my lawn, but it's like, <laughs> but, but it's like, we, you know, I, I don't know if kids understand that now because of everything is, is so immediate now, you know, like, I mean, now even now, like something happens in a game, it's on my phone, like two minutes later, I don't even have to be watching the game. And I've, you know, I seen it, you know, it's, it's like for all of us, everything seems to be so immediate, but can, can you talk to that just a little bit am, am i right in saying that do, do we you know do do you see that in kids these days and can you explain it to kids like look sometimes you just gotta be patient you know and wait for your turn to come yeah i mean of course and, and it definitely stems from uh the social media era and um you know people see other people posting these things about themselves and their accomplishments and they think automatically in their head that, you know, you know, I, I want that, you know, I want the, I want the respect. I want everybody clapping for me. I want everybody cheering for me. And um, I, I think that's what it is. Everybody's comparing themselves or their achievements versus other people and their, and their own achievements. You know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like people or kids, especially on the social media platforms are just, you know, uh, comparing themselves to other people and they're, they're seeing that they're not as far as other people and that they're not accomplishing, accomplishing as much as other people. And that, you know, I want that. I want that now. I want to be starting. I want to be playing on a Division One program. I want to be, you know, regarded as this person. And in reality, it, it doesn't work that It doesn't work that way. Uh, every, everybody's path is different. Um, everybody's going to go through different things. Everybody's going to experience different things. And, um, it's important for these kids to know that so that they're not looking at themselves in the mirror and looking at, you know, other people thinking, you know, I want to be like that. You know, I mean, I took a different journey. I took my own route. I bet on myself and, you know, you know, not many people are doing that. And I, and I wasn't looking at, you know, to the guy right in me, I wasn't looking at the, all these people on social media, like what are they doing? And, and I think it's, it all stems from the social media era where people are comparing themselves to others, uh, especially these kids you know, and, um, it's just, it's just not good news. And, um, these kids just need to realize that, you know, there's something bigger as long as you say the path and, you know, trust in God's plan and, um, it'll, it'll all work out. 
gotta do you. Like you, you gotta stay off the phone. You are one hundred percent correct, Jeremy. They've got it, man. You gotta stay off the phone and quit worrying about everybody else and just worry about yourself. Because back, you know, here I go again, get off my lawn. But you know, back in our day, like we we didn't have any of that. There were no phones. Or like, oh, we did. We went to practice. Whoa. We went home. You know, and then we got on the dial phone, called our girlfriend, hid in the closet so your brother wouldn't hear you. You know, I mean, it's like. <laughs> Like, like those are the things we were doing, you know, but it's like, to me, I do, I do think that, you know, and to be fair, I do think it adds an element of pressure, you know, to, to the kids who are, you know, I'll say from, you know, eighth, ninth, all the way through, because like you said, there, there's that, you know, you, you can check up on anybody at any time and know exactly what they're doing and you can either use it as motivation or or, or use it to, to bring your your own mindset down, but you got to stay on the right mindset and you said it perfectly, Jeremy, you really did. Thank you. Again, that's what it is. You know, I mean, you got to focus on yourself because if you're if you're worrying about what other people are doing and what they're up to, I mean, how are you going to better yourself? You know what I mean? So it's all about it's all about bettering yourself no matter what. You're absolutely right. Okay, now before I let you go, we always do a couple of quick, you know, fun things here at the end. We do what's the coolest, and then we do first things last. Now, what's the coolest? I think we've already got the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What is the coolest place you've either played? Or watched a game in? Uh, I, I haven't been to many college. I actually have never been to a college game, before, like a Division One game before I played. So the coolest place I probably played in was the Ohio State Arena. But the coolest atmosphere I probably played in, because Ohio State didn't have the fans, was probably South Carolina. Really? I so the yeah. tournament so so that one beats out the twelve. I would say I mean your first start, yeah, you know if you're starting and you're starting at South Carolina, that's gotta yep, be a, yep. and yeah. Yeah, I mean the tournament and the tournament is unbelievable. You know that that, that goes unsaid, but you know it, it, it's all it's all real close. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, but I that's I was you know that's that, see I always like I'm telling you when I do this the answers always surprise me even when I think I know the answer <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not the answer so no that's that's awesome all right now. First things last. Okay, so this should be easy for you. So what we do is at the end is I'll give you a list of things that are firsts, okay? But it's the last thing we do on the podcast. And so, Jeremy Sanchez, I want you to go way back and go get in that way back machine. Go way back in time, probably like five years. What was your first job? My first job. My first job, uh, I actually started um, landscaping with my uncle. Uh, that was my first job. We just go help out people and stuff like that. Yeah. Was it hard work? No, not really. We just do mulching and stuff like that. And also my other first job would be like, you know, doing concrete with my dad growing up, just helping him out here and there. See, that's good. You got to, you, you know, you got to do those things because when you have your own house, then you're all set and ready to go. You got to learn how to do all that exactly. stuff. All right. Hey, are, you might still be driving it, but what was your first car? I'm not, unfortunately. But my first car was a 1999 Chrysler 300. Really? Yes. <laughs> that's not got a bad. It, got it from the got it from the neighbor down the street for a thousand bucks. Nice, but that's not. Hey, that's not a bad place to start. So nope. All right. What was the first? I will say. I, I know it wasn't a record. What was the first CD that you remember buying? The first one you ever <sighs> bought? I don't think. You know, this, this might sound crazy, but I don't think I've ever bought a CD. You know, I've were you iPod? <laughs> <laughs> I was iPod. I was iPod. I got my sister's iPod when I was younger, and I was listening to you know, who was I listening to? I was listening to stuff. She was. I think she was listening to like Jesse McCartney or some some boy bands or something like that. You know, that was that's what I was listening to when I first got her iPod. You were just happy to have the iPod. You didn't care what I was, was on it. I was happy to have it. Exactly. All right, Dad. Exactly. Okay. What about first concert? Oh, my first concert. I went to. Um, I think it was. The yeah, it was the it was Little Wayne and Blink One Eighty Two. I went with a couple of my buddies. It was actually after my senior year, right before my freshman year of college. That was my first concert. Really? So you so, yep. so like like your your first kind like I I didn't fly on a plane until like I was in in college. So that was like you know that same sort of thing. But I went right. to I remember going like I went to a concert and you know I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I remember that. So it's funny how things you know work out for people, you know. But uh, you know concert. Uh, that that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Okay, I was, a, I was a late bloomer. Yep. No, no, that's no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but here's the la- okay. So the last one, and this this is current, present day. What's the first app you like to check when you get up in the morning? What's the first app you go to? I don't like to admit it, but the first app I check every morning is Twitter, and then I go to my uh, emails. 
Twitter and emails. Hey, you know what? Twitter is probably, if I was taking a poll, Twitter is probably the most popular answer right now. Bleacher Report gets in there uh, a lot too. But um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm a Twitter guy too. That's what I do in, you know, that's what I do in the morning. You know, I get, I get my news from Twitter and check things out. Or a lot of times I'll get distracted by an alert. I grab my phone and I'll be like, oh, what, what is this? You know, right, like the right. like the Indians game. I I didn't see the end of the Indians game. I was like, "What? Indians lose on an air? What? What happened?" You yep. know. So I go and yep. I, I click on exactly. it. But Jer- Jeremy, I cannot thank you enough for for doing this and you know and just providing your insight. Because to me, I just feel like every single player out there can learn from you. And so if there's you know if there's one like kind of last little message you'd like to give to to all those players out there from like sixth grade forward you know what is it that that you would tell them well i would tell them you know um stop comparing yourself to everybody else uh your story is going to be different you know let it be different make it different and um ultimately bet on yourself even if if nobody's with you so you know just trust in yourself believe in yourself and um you know you'll go a long way Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Oh, we'll, 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 we'll have you back. How about this? We'll have you back after next year's tournament run. How about that? Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. All right. Hey, guys, if you know a great coach or even a great player who's doing great things, winning games and building a great team culture at the same time, we want to hear about them. We may even ask them to be a future guest on the podcast. You can reach out to me on Twitter at CourtsidePod1 and on Facebook and Instagram at Courtside Culture Podcast. Remember, coaches, build up your players' strengths, find them all a roll, and you'll take them from good to great. Jeremy Sanchez is a perfect example of that. We will see you next time, folks. Thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. And remember, build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.